This show is produced and hosted by Mark Weber. The show is sponsored by G3 Apparel. The views expressed in the following program are those of the sponsor and not necessarily the opinion of 710 WOR or iHeartMedia. Who is Mark Weber? He's a self-made business executive here to help you find your success. From the New York City projects to the Avenue Montaigne in Paris, his global success story in the luxury world of fashion is inspirational. He's gone from clerk to CEO twice. Mark is classic proof that the American dream is alive and well. Here's your host of Always in Fashion, Mark Weber. As another year is coming to an end, there's much to consider. Trying to decide if I should be jumping for joy, or should I be stoic? Should I be happy? Should I be sad? Did I accomplish or did I fall short? Was I value-added or was I a drain on society? Did I prove my worth or did I help? Was I a problem or was I the solution? Did I come to bat? Did I get a chance to play? I wonder if I finished what I started. Was I out front or sat behind the curtain? Did I make mistakes? Did I take chances? You can't stub your toes standing still. You can't make an omelet without breaking eggs. I know I put thought into that which I do. I know I drive to be great, knowing good isn't good enough. I know I have great thought to this year. And I still believe I'm not always right, but I'm never wrong. I do try to be thorough. I know without thought there are unintended consequences. I'm set in my ways and in some regards eccentric. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. My mind's made up. It's hard to break through to me. My children can at times. Others, it's not so easy. I believe that packaging yourself is as important as the products you package, which is my business mantra. It's been a good year. An interesting year. More ups than downs, and that's life. I want to be a contributor. I never want to be lazy. I want to appreciate. I want to give advice, but not take it. (laughs) I want to be a role model. I want to stand for that which is important, what's right. I know I'm an acquired taste. I'm not for everyone. I must therefore temper my personality. It's not difficult. I'm disengaged for the most part. As I think about this year, it was a good year. I was good to myself. I was good for myself. I was good for my family. I was good to my family. I'd say it was a very good year. Now, perhaps the best part of the year was working on this show with my son, my lawyer, my co-host, Jesse Weber. Happy New Year, Jesse. Happy New Year. I love doing this show with you. I look forward to doing it with you every week. And I have to tell you, I don't like giving you credit, but that opening you just gave was brilliant. Brilliant. Wait a minute. Why don't you like giving me credit? Because your head is big enough as it is. (laughs) And it's not because of the hair. All right. All right. Enough said. But let me just give you a compliment here, because I thought that opening really, really was important for people to hear. They have to look back at the year, evaluate themselves. It's not always obvious. I thought that was very clever, self-analyzing your contribution, a little self-critique and roadmap to consider. I love it. Well, thank you. (laughs) I do give great thought and effort to the opening monologue to the show. With all due respect to the rest of the show, it's the monologue for me. Sometimes I use it just to test my literary skills. 
It's also sometimes lessons for you and your brother. And if the audience would slow down in this crazy, fast-paced world, they too might just learn something and adopt a point of view. I think that's asking too much, frankly, but the monologue are for me and the family. And I must admit, sometimes I impress myself. This was a good year. It was a fascinating year. If you think about how much happened in one year in terms of politics, entertainment, pop culture, everything from Will Smith at the Oscars to the World Cup, I feel like the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial was years ago, but it was actually this year. It's amazing. And so I'm excited for 2023. And I'll tell you why I'm excited for 2023, because I don't know if you recall this. But when the pandemic first hit, all of the experts said that by 2023, we would have COVID totally under control. So I hope that they're right. I hope that they're right with this year coming away. But I want to go back to the monologue for a second, because you just said that the monologue is always for you. You said that before, that the monologue is your favorite part of the show. You do the monologue for you. It makes you happy. But what is the takeaway for the audience in the monologue? A great question. Thank you. Um, It's really about the composition of the show. The monologue is my way of saying what I'm feeling that particular night. The show is about storytelling. What I hope is the audience would sit back. If you're driving your car, just relax. If you're at home, you're relaxing with your podcast at your leisure, have a glass of wine, a beer. I hope you're enjoying and learning and and having fun with the show. If you're running with me, great. If you're walking the streets of New York City, great. If you're in Hong Kong and Paris, great. I know you're listening. There are listeners everywhere. But the opportunity is to listen, learn, enjoy. And that's what the show's about. I think it's the stories. I think the stories are some of the best part about the show because you talk about one of the things that I love every week, and our listeners don't know this, is we always ask our producer, Terry, at the end of every show, what'd you think of it? And he really provides insightful comments each week, some positive, sometimes negative, what he finds interesting. What I take away from that is he really likes the themes and the stories and how they're new and they're different. And it gives our listeners a different perspective. We have to remember we haven't always been on WOR. And so some of these stories are the first time people hear these stories. And I don't think you realize that your stories are such eye openers for people. It's your life. I get it. Right. You know it. But for young people out there who haven't had this global corporate life, maybe young people who are so stuck on TikTok, they don't know what's out there. I think it's an amazing behind-the-scenes insight on how these things work. It's like in the Hollywood movies that they take you behind the scenes. I have to tell you, I sometimes really, and I'm not, again, I don't mean to inflate your ego. You can. It's okay to tell your father he's doing good stuff. You know, we get notes sometimes that people are like, hey, how come Jesse doesn't speak more? The reason I don't is because I'm sometimes just sitting back and listening to your exploits. I'm actually mesmerized by them. I, I had no idea like half the things that you went through and did. So as I look back and I look at the stories that you told on the show, I think it's been a very good year, but I do have to ask, like I ask on every show, where are we going tonight? It's New Year's Eve. Happy New Year. Is it about the new year? (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah. The radio show is a forum for expression. Well, before you get in there, Give me a compliment for this past year. I I could take a compliment. My ego's not so big. Well, your hairs look good. (laughs) Well, thank you. Hey, listen, you're a very important contributor to the show. I say it all the time. And the funniest thing of all is I work the hardest thing. You know what it reminds me of now that you mention it? 
I think of these football players. I watch football. I'm a, a great football fan. In fact, during COVID, I became a fan of all sports. You mentioned the World Cup. I probably saw more games than anyone should have time to see. I watched every single Yankee game last year. As long as it was televised, I watched it. If I didn't see it live, I taped it. I watched the U.S. Open. I went there. We went to Yankee games. I'm a huge sports fan, but my favorite right now is football. We're in football season, and and when you watch football, it's always amazing to watch the guy score the touchdown. And it never ceases to amaze me that at the end of the touchdown, he holds up his hand and he thanks God and he says, thank you, Mom. Now, what I find fascinating about that is the father takes the boy outside when he's a little kid and throws the football with him. And they play tackle together and they roll around in the back and they take him to every game and he teaches and comments. He gives him all the encouragement to get to that. He watches every game in high school, every game in college. And then when the time comes for that football player to score the touchdown in the NFL. Hi, Mom, (laughs) instead of the father. And that's how I feel about the radio show. I do all this work. The mother gave birth, okay? You thank the mother. Yeah, but we're talking about football right now, and that's what I'm saying. Same thing with the radio show. I do all this work. I came up with the concept, always in fashion, off the book. The concept, the format, everything was my idea. I hire you to be my compliment, and you're better than anyone could expect. I get it. But anytime we get a compliment, all they want is more Jesse, and it's like I don't even exist. I'm cellophane. Hey, listen. Sometimes in a movie, the director or the writer doesn't get the credit, but the, the actor gets the credit. What can I say? I'm sorry. Uh, well, you asked me to give you a compliment. That was it. <laughs> this is a New Year's show. It's the last show we're going to do in 2022, and... Uh, It's been a a great year. Frank, that's the title for the show, A Great Year. In particular, though, we covered so many subjects in different ways than I would think anyone else has done it. We have a unique approach to the world, and I really enjoy being part of that. And what I'd like to do tonight on our New Year's show is not really talk too much about New Year's, but talk about in whatever format we have, which I've come up with, I think we'll find clever, those things that we covered this year, those things that made us happy, those things that made us angry, and maybe, just maybe, we'll pull out what we think is a clever approach. Now, if you're listening live in your car or at home, it's Saturday night, we're a few hours ahead of New Year's Eve, so before the parties begin, give you a chance to be intelligent, If you're listening to us on Sunday, it's a repeat of Saturday Night Show. I'll say to you, Happy New Year. I'm hoping this is the first show you've listened to at the end. And if you're listening to us at podcast, well, you'll listen to us anytime you want. But tonight, we're going to go to a new year talking about some of the interesting things that happened this year. We'll be back in a minute. Always in fashion. DKNY, from the moment it entered our world expressed what we were about as individuals. They took the energy of New York City and made it part of our lives. And for that, we all became invested in DKNY. They weren't just about the product. They cared about the way we feel. And it's interesting that for fall, DKNY is coming back with a concept called Today I Feel. That's what they want to talk to us about. 
and they came out with a press release that I want to share with you. We're empowered to wear what we feel and encouraged to express every facet of ourselves in the way we dress, to never let anyone else define what we wear or how we feel, no matter how hard they may try. Radiate confidence in a printed mini dress. Feel like a badass in a leather trench and combat boots or zen and out in matching workout set. Whatever you're feeling, show it off. Today, I feel. I think DKO once again is tapping into the pulse of America, that there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of discomfort every day as people go through their lives. And companies that are substantial and companies that care about people want to make a difference. And DKNY is one of the most exciting fashion brands ever. And it continues to be relevant both for women and for men. However, a company to care about how we feel and express themselves in this campaign is another signal how DKNY is such an important part of the lives we live. DKNY, today I feel. I spent a lifetime of my career building the Van Usen brand. And I am so pleased that they're back with us now talking about suits. Men, we're dressing up again. And it's become cool to wear a suit. Suits can be worn on multiple occasions in multiple ways. You could wear a suit formally to go out at night or to an event. You could wear a suit to the office with or without a tie. If you look closely now, fashion trends, suits are being worn with turtlenecks or mock necks. The choices are endless, and every one of them looks right. You can really, really look the part. I believe that in packaging yourself is as important as the products you package, and wearing a suit is one of those things that make men look their best. Van Usen invented a new idea. It's called the Cool Flex Suit. It's been engineered with stretch technology, giving you the most comfortable fit and mobility. It's wrinkle-resistant fabric. It's cool moisture wicking. It makes it perfect for all occasions, as we discussed just now. This new style of looking sharp while feeling cool and comfortable is amazing. And I'm so excited that the Van Using Company is involved in this new technology and is embracing the whole idea of dressing up. Let's not forget, Van Usen made its name with dress shirts. It's only proper that the suit business follows strongly in its wake. You can find Van Usen Cool Flex Men's Stretch Suits at JCPenney or online at jcpenney.com. Guys, they're great. You should go look at them. Welcome back to Always in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. I guess I should say at this point, Happy New Year. This is the last show we're going to do in 2022. For me, I'd have to say it was a very good year. For the show, I think it was very expansive. But as I'm told by many of you listeners, what you like most of all are the stories I tell. And with that in mind, I started to think about, considering this is Christmas, this is New Year's, what has been one of the most important stories that I've found in my career? And then I said, ah, I got it. It's interesting. There's a trend in movies right now to the whodunit. Death on the Nile, Murder on the Ori Express, and most recently, Glass Onion, with all those famous actors, which I watched, Jesse and I, we loved it. And it was a very entertaining thing. And I thought, I too have a whodunit story, a business story that I'd share with you. 
Once upon a time, I'll never forget, I got a call from a headhunter, a search firm. woman's name was Marty McBride, who I'd known over the years. Never really did anything with her because I was a lifer for the company I worked for, PVH, Phillips Van Usen. When she called me, I was executive vice president. I ran half the company, and I was doing well, and I was happy. Mark, Marty McBride. Hey, Marty, how are you? Mark, I have an idea, an opportunity for you. The Donna Karen Company, public company, is looking for a CEO. Stephen Weiss and Donna are running the search. However, there's a key board member, the lead director on the board. Remember, it's a public company. A fellow named Bill Benedetto is also an investment banker running the search. I talked to him about you, and he'd like to meet you. And I kind of sat there, and I said to myself, uh, this is serious. Donna Karen, billion-dollar company, world-class designer company. I knew them very well. We were a licensee of theirs in shirts. I have to at least listen. I owe it to myself. Told my wife about it. She says, hey, you're not taking the job. You ought to listen. So I never forget, I went to meet Mr. Benedetto at the 21 Club on East 52nd Street. And there we were, and we started to talk. And, you know, you get, hi, Bill, hi, Mark. Tell me about yourself. And I started sharing with him who I was and... And explained to me that uh, the Donna Karen company needed a CEO. They needed someone who had the business principles, who understood how to make companies work. The board was concerned. They weren't getting the profits they needed, and they wanted to talk to me. And he and I went back and forth. And I had what I thought was a brilliant conversation with him. And I must admit, I was intrigued. I went home that night. Following morning, I get a call from Marnie McBride. She says, I don't know what you said to Bill Benedetto. He doesn't want to interview anyone else. You're his guy. Would you be willing to meet Stephen Weiss, Donna's husband, tonight? I said, sure. I went to his apartment. Brilliant guy, and I really enjoyed talking to him. He said to me something at the time that I thought was very interesting. He said he's looking for a soulmate for Donna. He's looking for someone who can come into the company and love it as much as he did. I didn't know at the time that he was ill. And he wanted to make sure that the succession of the company and Donna was paired with someone who could be a friend to her. Anyway, we had this conversation. He asked me all the questions. And as I've often told you, I don't know that I'm smart, but I know I'm well-trained. And when I kick into gear, I had a lot to say. I know how to make companies work. I knew how to make them run. And we had a fascinating conversation. Went home following morning, got a call from Morning McBride. Once again, Mark, Steve, and Weiss loved you. He thinks you're great. He wants you to meet Donna now. Would you be able to meet Donna tonight? Sure. I went to their offices, the offices of Marnie McBride, because this was a confidential search. They didn't want me showing up in her offices and me to be seen, and they wanted to leak to the press. And I get there, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. I'm on time. I'm never late. And then finally, Donna shows up like a whirling dervish. It took about 10 minutes to unwrap all the scarfs and the coats and the layers, and there it was, Donna Karen. I was out of breath watching her, and she was fascinating. I mean, I, I really was excited to be in her presence and listen to her talk. And she was all over the place, but smart as a whip. She knew what she wanted to accomplish, and she started asking me questions. And we went back and forth, and you could see right from the beginning, because I wasn't from the luxury world, per se, I was running world-class branded companies, and using Izod, companies like that. And she was a designer company. She was skeptical as to whether or not I would ready to design her. But we had a great conversation. If there's anything she learned is I could come in and run her company with my eyes closed. And we had a great, great conversation.
And over the course of the next week, they were interviewing under candidates, and Marnie McBride did her job as a headhunter should. She kept me warm. Hey, Mark, don't you lose faith in this. We're interviewing other contests, but you're the lead player. We really like you. And here's where the mystery begins. Here's where my glass onion begins. One day, I get a call from my CEO. And he says, Mark, let's have lunch. Why don't you come down to my office and walk to the university club and uh, we'll have a great lunch together. I said, sure. I went and met him. After the hellos, how you doing? Great. Everything's good. Lovely weather, blah, blah, blah. He said to me something that I'll never forget. I have a problem. And as a friend and colleague of mine, I want to ask you what I should do, your opinion. I said, sure, whatever you need. And he said, I was offered a job at DKNY to be their CEO. They're going to pay me multi-millions of dollars a year to come. But I don't know if I should leave the company. I really like this company. And right then and there, I said, uh-oh, how did he find out? And he looked at me and said, what do you think? I said, well, when I consider the prestige of the company, the prestige of the designer world, the fact that they're a public company and a billion-dollar company and they're willing to pay you that kind of money, I don't know what choice you have, but you have to consider it. <laughs> and he said, you know, I've invested all this time here and I really love this company. It's not so easy to live. I said, yeah, I, I get it. And I'm talking and I'm listening to and I'm saying to myself, how did he find out? And then we got to the university club and we walked in. We to a table and we sat down and he looked at me across the table and he said, I'm going to make you president of Phillips Van Usen. I have great game usually, but remember, I began as a clerk. I never expected to be successful. I never expected anything out of a career when I started, but I already had measures of huge success. I became a vice president, a senior vice president, a group president, executive vice president. I, I was really doing well, but never did I expect to be a corporate officer. I was uh, doing well, but I never expected to really be confronted with being made president. And here it is being laid out for me. And I was besides myself. And he looked at me and said, look, Mark, you and I have worked together for 25 years there's no one in this company I trust more. There's no one who I've seen deliver more on a promise than you. I'm never surprised by you. You are one of the joys in my career, and it's going to be my pleasure to make you president of the company. I'm CEO. I enjoy it. I need help. But to have you by my side would be extraordinary to me. And right then and there, a life's dream. I couldn't even call it a dream. Because who would have a dream that I'd be president of the corporation? But there it was being offered to me, and I was ecstatic, blindsided, shocked, and realized that for some reason he found out some way that I was being recruited, and he wanted to tell me not to go. Now, interestingly enough, what he said to me at the time, this was June, he says, I can't make you president right away. I have to convince the board that I need a president. I have to convince the board that you're the right guy for this job. 
the board knows you, but they never looked at you in that capacity because we had so many other players and you were just one of. But now I'm saying to them, you are the guy. I need some time to get this done. We have other issues going on right now. We have problems that I need you to help me solve. But for now, I want you to wait. And sometime after the first of next year, we'll make the announcement, you'll go president. And will you work with me? Do you want it? And I decided that I want it. And I told him, yes. It was a great lunch, one of the happiest times of my life. I couldn't believe my good fortune. I couldn't believe this was going to happen. I was a little wary about the board. I never had a great relationship with them. I don't know whether they took me serious or not. But nonetheless, I left that lunch and said to myself, my goodness, I can't believe this is going to happen. And over the course of the next few weeks, Donna Karen, myself, we let it go. The first of the year, I wasn't made president. There were other problems to deal with at that time. The Bass Shoe Company took a huge fall. They lost faith in their president. They lost faith in the CEO, and they wanted me to go up to Maine and work with a new CEO to figure out how to fix the company. The products weren't right. The marketing wasn't right. And for the next six months, I went back and forth to Maine almost every week, and we straightened out that company and put it on a path for great profits, and I was very proud. And then come May... I was made president of the company. I got walked into the office of my CEO and he said, Mark, we have the board today. I know you're going to present to the board. I want you to know that I've just informed the board that you're the next president of the company. And I couldn't thank him enough. I had tears in my eyes. It was um, an achievement of a lifetime. I can't tell you what it's like coming from the city projects to be named the president of a public company. And then he and I walked to the board room for the meeting. And there in the board room, they were all seated. And the seat at the head of the table was left over. And one of our board members, Peter Solomon, investment banker, took me over to the seat and he said, Mr. President, welcome to the board. And by the way, you were just named a director. And he gave me that seat. So not only was I made president, I was made a director of the company, and it was one of the happiest moments of my life. And I sat down. And over the course of the next few months, I started doing my job, and I loved it. But I never, ever understood how my boss found out that I was interviewing at the Donna Karen Company. So back to Christmas and New Year's. One day, CEO of the company calls me up to Smart. Let's go have lunch. Where are we having lunch? Michael's. Those of you who are familiar with Michael's, not familiar with Michael's, it's a well-known lunch and dinner place on 55th Street. And it was a place for media. If you were in the media, whether magazines, TV, radio, and you were having lunch, it was the place to be. We sat down at a table. It's an area with an atrium. It was Christmas. It was a quiet day, snow on the ground. The room was trimmed with trees and mistletoe and all those Christmas decorations. It was a beautiful setting and he and I are having lunch. Quiet lunch because most of the city was gone. People were on vacation. We just happened to be there. And as the lunch came to an end, all of a sudden, Peter Solomon, our board member, investment banker, comes walking up to the table with someone that I knew. And he introduced Bill Benedetto, to my boss, and to me. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Isn't that the guy 
that you first interviewed with for Donna Karen, that board member? Uh-huh. Tonight is a mystery show, and that was it. Ah, what must have happened when Bill Benedetto needed to check me out. He called his friend and fellow board member, Peter Solomon, and asked him about Mark Webber, and that's how my boss found out I was interviewing. I looked at my boss, so that's how you knew, and he smiled. (laughs) Mystery over. We'll be back in a minute. Always in fashion. As one of the world's most celebrated fashion designers, Karl Lagerfeld was renowned for his aspirational and cutting-edge approach to style. His unique vision of Parisian chic comes to America through Karl Lagerfeld Paris. He has women's collections, men's collections, ready-to-wear accessories, shoes, and bags. The fashion house Karl Lagerfeld also offers a range of watches, eyewear, and premium fragrances. You can explore the Karl Lagerfeld collection at karllagerfeldparis.com. But it's more than that. I, for one, love to shop. I love going around and seeing what's happening and what catches my attention, what would make me feel good to wear. Now, I don't wear the women's wear, obviously, but I can appreciate it, and they look amazing. If you want to look right, you want to have clothes that fit you well, you want to look like you're wearing something that's very expensive, that's exclusive for you and yours, you can find it at very affordable prices at Macy's or CarlLagerfeld.com Paris. The women's ready-to-wear fashion is extraordinary, as well as the handbags and the shoes. I, for one, wear men's clothes, unlike my appreciation of women's clothes. I'm a modern guy. I want to look current. I want to look the way I want to feel. I go out at night, I'm in black, and Carl Lagerfeld is my buddy. Clothes are great. They fit great. And they have little tweaks and touches, whether it's a stripe on the sleeve or button at the neck or on the shoulder. There's a lot of details that go into Carl Lagerfeld because he's always been, he always had been, one of the world's great designers. And this legacy goes on and on. I can't speak enough about it except to say to you, you want to feel good about yourself. You want to know that you're dressing properly. You want clothes that fit you well. Carl Lagerfeld Paris at Macy's or CarlLagerfeld.com. Welcome back to Always in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. Happy New Year. This is our New Year show. The last show of 2022. Seven years doing this. Four years at um, WOR iHeart. And I'm still not important and I'm still not syndicated. But you know what? I'm not going there tonight. I could deal with it. What I will go is say that this year's shows were really interesting to me. It kept me challenged. So many subjects to discuss. But I have to be intellectually honest. The first thing I want to cover is all those things this year that made me, made us unhappy. And I want to start with politics. Politics is is a mess. We're the greatest country in the world. And I never forget it for a moment. And I wonder whether too many of us who grew up here do take this country for granted because we don't agree about anything. Well, talking politics, it would be funny if you were president. How would you be dealing with world leaders? The right way, with some common sense. Putin, I would have embraced long before the war. We had an amazing relationship with Russia. They were prospering, detente, independent mindset, capitalism and communism. They found a way to coexist. 
Everyone was doing business in Moscow. Everyone was doing business with Russia. It was an extraordinary opportunity for the luxury world and our industry. But I don't want to go there now. I don't want to talk about social issues. Because if we start, we'll not stop. We're talking about immigration right now. I want to talk about that just simply because it's in the news every day. It's a disaster. And as I said before, we're the greatest country in the world. Everyone will want to be here if we let them. We need immigration. We need it to be legal. And all of these things in politics, I don't care to talk about, except that it makes me unhappy that we as a country don't know how to get along. We can't agree on anything. I've been listening to the radio, and all of a sudden there's a right-wing coffee company, Black Rifle Coffee for Americans. What is that about? We're so divided, now there's a coffee that separates us? My biggest problem with politics is candidate selection. Who are we choosing right now? If you look past this year... And just focusing on Republicans, they didn't get the red wave that they were hoping for because they picked bad candidates. And now look at this guy, George Santos in New York, who basically is accused of lying about his entire life. Politics is so discouraging that we can't even pick people who would be right for the job. That's my problem looking back on this past year. I hope in 2023 we can get vibrant, energetic, great candidates for these offices because right now it's not looking so good. All right, let me give you a lesson in life, okay? My young son, this is not new. The candidates that we've had, arguably the worst president before Trump, who I'm not saying is the worst president, was a peanut farmer from Georgia. How did Jimmy Carter get to be elected? And all the people in the world, Bill Clinton, and on and on and on. We can go on and on. I always used to say, where do we find these people? I work with business executives that anyone over the course of time I'd have as a president because they were so dynamic and brilliant and dealing with problems and not making excuses. Any one of them would be better than the people that we're uh, funding now. I read an article the other day, Camilla Harris and AOC for president 2024. I wanted to throw up. I don't want to go there. That's why I don't want to talk about politics, except to say that it's listed as one of the things that have made me unhappy this year. What else has made me unhappy is crime. I don't feel comfortable in New York City. I'll tell you what, New York City now, there's only two kinds of people, victims and predators. Do you believe what's going on? The idea that we have to hide our watches and jewelry because we're afraid of being robbed blazingly on the streets? What happened? You're the crime guy, law and crime man. What's what's going on? There's a number of factors that happened. It all started from the pandemic. Then it got to these bad bail reform laws in New York City that were put in by the DA that basically kept criminals on the street. Obviously anti-police. The only beacon of hope that I have is Democrats and the mayor and the governor realize that crime is such a serious issue and they have to take it seriously. And they say they're going to make it their top priority to keep New Yorkers safer. I am hoping in the next year they actually do do something because the New York City that we have right now is not the New York City we've had in the past 10 years. So they really need to change. Hey, wait a minute. We've got a cool mayor. We've got a cool guy. He's got an earring. Did you know that? I saw him the other day. He had an earring. He's dressed well. He speaks well. He's a former police officer. He said one thing. He never mentions crime. He does nothing about it. The other thing that really bothers me is economics. I was so unhappy this year. For what it's worth, at the end of 2020, when I saw that Biden was elected, 
I wasn't anti-Biden, so to speak. When I was concerned, another Democrat, I believe in the Republicans when it comes to the economy and international affairs, and I believe in the Democrats when it comes to social issues. I'm an independent in that regard. But when I saw the Democrats took over, I started selling stock and I made great profits and I was happy. But I thought I had to get rid of all my stock. But towards the end of the year, after I sold off and took profits, I saw that the stock market was going to be strong and it lulled me to sleep. And I thought, you know what? I'm kind of sorry I sold the stuff. I made nice profit, but maybe I shouldn't do it. And sure enough, like the boob and the idiot I was, I held on to all my stock and I've lost the fortune on paper. Biden was handed a gimme. He had a pent up economy, had people who wanted to get out and spend money. He gave them trillions of dollars in relief and he blew it. They blew the economy. It's unacceptable. It made me very, very unhappy. Can I tell you what made me unhappy this year? It was seeing Will Smith at the Oscars. I still can't get over it. Will Smith, one of my favorite actors, did what he did at the Oscars. He tried to make the apology tour. Just hasn't come back. It was really sad to see that. Well, all of Hollywood made me sick this year, and they've been making all of us sick for a long Look, I, I am so entertained by Hollywood and music and TV. There's nothing, I think, other than family makes me happier. But I have to tell you, Award shows, nobody wants to watch them anymore. Making political statements, nobody wants to look at this thing. When I saw Will Smith slap Chris Rock, I couldn't believe it happened. But what made it worse for me, seeing him in his seat, screaming at Chris Rock, that sickened me more than the slap. For all this, you're not going to watch the Oscars next year to see what happens? Of course I am. We're all going to be riveted. I wonder whether or not there's going to be a host. But I don't want to see any political comments. I don't want to see the way they get dressed. I don't want to see Timothy Chalet dress up without shirts for black tie affairs and open backs and men wearing dresses and on and on and on. I don't want to see that. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of them. And the problem is this year was a very good year, but there were a lot of things that made me unhappy. And rounding out the list, just to say it, COVID's not done yet. I'm living a better life. We all are, but I'm worried. And last but not least... What does it mean to be a human? I used to think that humans showed love, they had compassion, they cared for their fellow man. Today we've learned that being a human means in a puzzle you can identify a truck from all other vehicles to prove that you're human. Yeah, it's been a very unhappy year in many respects. Now having said that, Let's talk about what made us happy. Because by and large, I can't say this was a very good year without having more happiness than sadness, and I had a lot of happiness. Now, Jesse, out of respect for you, would you like to start off happy? The thing that really made me happy was something I didn't even think would make me happy, and it was the World Cup. I don't really watch soccer. Watching the World Cup, watching the finale of the World Cup, the finals, was just amazing. Well, I was never interested in the World Cup until you and I, 2010, were in Europe. We're in the south of France and Italy during the World Cup that year. And you and I watched a lot of the games and we were caught up in the enthusiasm. It was a great time, but this year was extraordinary to watch. The coverage was great. The matches were great. And the the actual players rose up to be stars. So, yeah, the World Cup was great. What else you got? Well, I know you said COVID's not over, but since it began, this was the... I would say the year that it seemed most normalized. I know it's still affecting so many people. It's still there, but 
seemed almost like 2019, no? Yeah, it's still of concern. It doesn't feel threatening anymore. Which brings me to the other thing that made me very happy this year is human brilliance. I'm not a fan of humans. I like people from time to time, but I don't have much faith in humans. I don't like what I see. But I have to say, when humans put their mind to something, they could be brilliant. I think about what they've accomplished again with space travel. I think what they've accomplished with the vaccine, whether it's a vaccine or whatever it is, it certainly saved lives and gave people hope. And it certainly beat whatever COVID was out there and it's late. I love what's happening with technology. I think about all these inventions that made our lives more interesting. We walk around with computers that fit in our shirt pocket. They're called cell phones. iPads revolutionize not only our personal lives, but business lives, keeping track of what's going on. What makes me a little worried is, is electric cars. The technology is brilliant. I don't believe in them yet. I don't believe they have the solution. I don't believe the electrical grids could cover the excessive use of charging if we need it. We're now finding out in the dead of winter, a lot of Teslas and other electric cars can't start in the cold. So technology, while I applaud it and it's made me very happy, I do have concerns about it. I'll tell you what made me very happy. I started walking during COVID. Now, I always walked a little. I'd stop and I'd start, and I, I never really got into it. When COVID began, I did miss first quarter. I started walking. For three quarters, I averaged 2.3 miles a day for the entirety of the year. For 2020, I walked three miles a day for the year. For 2021, 3.2 miles per day. And as of today... The last day of the year, I walked 4.7 miles, and I averaged four miles for this year, which in total, get ready, I should have a drum roll. I walked 4,450-some-odd miles this year, 4,500 miles in the last four years. What are you, uh, Forrest Gump? <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about being happy. I thought it would keep me healthy. I thought it would be important to be active during this time at home. I, I use COVID as a platform to do things that would make me stronger, make me better. And I'm very happy to report that I beat my record of four miles a day. Now, 4,500 miles over the last four years. Let me put that in perspective. That's like walking to California and halfway back. Crazy. But I'll give you a different one. That's like walking to London and then from London, walking to Paris, 4,500 miles. It blows my mind and it made me very, very happy. I also lost a lot of weight over the course of COVID, 56 pounds. And I'm so pleased to say that I have weighed what I've weighed in college for over 650 days. So I'm hanging on to the weight. That made me very happy. Anything personally make you happy you want to call out, Jesse? Well, I got to travel again. So not talking too much about the pandemic, but this is the first time I really, I actually traveled. And I went down to Florida, and I mentioned before on a previous show, went to Disney World, hadn't been there in years. So getting on a plane, going places, traveling, it was a big thing. I was very happy to do it. What else made me very happy this year is clothing. As part of being fit, as part of walking, I got into clothes again. And probably in this year, I've cared more about clothing than I have in 20 years. 
I care what I look like. I appreciate fashion. I appreciate, well, I'm not really into fashion. I appreciate style. And I appreciate buying beautiful things. Sometimes I buy things that I admire and unfortunately I'll never wear, but I bought them because I admired it and I want it. And I've been very good at buying and shopping and I've really enjoyed it. Well, if we're going to talk about that, I made a purchase this year that was the first of its kind. I've never done it before and I think it revolutionized my life. Bought a white blazer for the summer. You were the one who picked it out for me. You saw it. Well, I picked it out. I just picked it out. Well, you also got it for me as a gift, so... Yeah, I went in and bought it for you. Okay, well, there you go. You did get it for me as an early birthday gift. It was amazing. Yeah, I think the whole subject of blazes, I think the whole subject of dressing up, I think the idea that we have different wardrobes for different functions, but if you have style, fashion comes and goes. Style is forever. And when we cover style and fashion in this show, it's always about those things that will make you look your best. But I'll tell you what, nothing makes me happier than the family as I grew older and my hair grew grayer. I'd like to think that that gray hair brought me wisdom. And with wisdom, I learned that nothing is more important than family. I don't care how many friends you have. I don't care how many business associates you have. I don't care how rich your life is with people. Family comes first. And I learned it. I saw it. I lived it through COVID. And I'm so happy that I spent as much time as I did with family. It's been a very good year. Back in a minute. Always in fashion. Spent a lifetime of my career building the Van Usen brand. And I am so pleased that they're back with us now talking about suits. Men, we're dressing up again. And it's become cool to wear a suit. Suits can be worn on multiple occasions in multiple ways. You could wear a suit formally to go out at night or to an event. You could wear a suit to the office with or without a tie. If you look closely now, fashion trends, suits are being worn with turtlenecks or mock necks. The choices are endless, and every one of them looks right. You could really, really look the part. I believe that packaging yourself is as important as the products you package, and wearing a suit is one of those things that make men look their best. Van Usen invented a new idea. It's called the Cool Flex Suit. It's been engineered with stretch technology, giving you the most comfortable fit and mobility. It's wrinkle-resistant fabric. It's cool moisture wicking. It makes it perfect for all occasions, as we discussed just now. This new style of looking sharp while feeling cool and comfortable is amazing. And I'm so excited that the Van Using Company is involved in this new technology and is embracing the whole idea of dressing up. Let's not forget, Van Usen made its name with dress shirts. It's only proper that the suit business follows strongly in its wake. You can find Van Usen Cool Flex Men's Stretch Suits at JCPenney or online at jcpenney.com. Guys, they're great. You should go look at them. I've been shopping for fun lately. And while I'm out, I always look at men's and I look at women's, what's going on. And, and I was particularly interested in DKNY because of their sponsorship of the show. I went downstairs at Macy's, 34th Street, to look around and I saw DKNY activewear. And I promise you, ladies, it is sensational. From the sports bras to the crop tops to the uh, leggings and the sweats. It really is a great look. And DKNY had begun as an all-American brand dressing, casual clothes, and jeans. And the stuff looks incredible. And right now, the colors and the styles 
is so exciting that I feel great about the company. I always do. I wear the menswear all the time. I've had situations where I've gone to big events and been interviewed and TV or the radio and someone comes up to me at the microphone and like they always do, who are you wearing? And here I am, this big shot with big company and they say, well, I'm wearing a DKNY and they laugh and say, no, you're not. I actually have one on the internet where you could see me. They ask me what suit I'm wearing and I say DKNY and open it up and there's the DKNY label. Great fashion. It fits well. It looks right. It's designed to make you comfortable in the city. It goes from day into night. You can wear it in the morning, you wear it in the afternoon, and you look cool at night as well. It's great for the office. It's great for leisure. But I was talking about the DKNY activewear. The first time I really became aware of it, Jesse and I were up at Sirius Radio. He was doing a, a job for Sirius. He does a Dan Abrams show. He fills in on the POTUS network. And we were in the lobby, and this hip-hop group came up with this really great-looking Latino singer girl, young, beautiful, and she was wearing a DKNY sports bra. And I said to myself, this is amazing. I actually went to Macy's to see it. And I'm excited about the brand. And I tell you what, ladies, DKNY always has great fashion for work. Always wonderful dresses and things that you'd wear. Their accessories are great. The shoes are always very cool. But activewear in particular right now looks sensational. And being that everyone's athleisure and activewear, it's a great time. DKNY, go take a look. Welcome Welcome back back to to Always in Fashion. Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. Happy New Year, everyone. The end of 2022, it was a very good year. I'm looking forward to 2023. I love having the opportunity to do this radio show. I love telling stories, and I love talking about the world, according to me. I know I may not always be right, but I'm never wrong, and I like talking about what I like. It was a year with ups and downs, happy and unhappy. Clearly, we need as a country to remember who we are and get back on track. And then there's so many other wonderful things that we've enjoyed this year. But I can't end the year without talking quickly about New Year's resolutions. Now, Jesse, out of respect for you, you want to give me a few quick New Year's resolutions? Yes. The first New Year's resolution I have is work-life balance. Got to figure that out. I work a little too much, don't spend enough time relaxing, enough time, you know, being with friends and family. Got to figure that out. Got to be less stressed out about things. When something feels overwhelming, take a step back. And then the final New Year's resolution, I got to try some new restaurants in New York City. I go to the same six places, so I need to expand more. New restaurants are opening up. That's what I want to do. How about you? Well, I've kind of been perfect this year. You're perfect? Yeah. I, I don't see very much to change. So humans, uh, you know, want to give them a benefit of the doubt? Maybe. I'm angry at car dealerships because you can't buy a car without waiting for a year. I'll try and get over that. Same thing for Rolex watches. If you want to buy a watch or a nice watch right now, other than the fact that you have to worry about someone stealing them, that's impossible to get, and I'm angry. I have to try and um, work on developing some patience. I have zero patience. I can attest to that. I'm witness number A. Uh-huh. Well, I've also agreed that I'm not going to consult anymore with no skin in the game, with not really people listening to you. I have no patience. So I'm not going to do that anymore. What I am going to do is I'm going to pursue teaching. And right now I'm negotiating with a law school to teach law. The practicality of a CEO working with lawyers in his firm, and I'm hoping that comes to fruition. I've also searching for a new 
literary agent. I have two books that I've been working on and I'd like to get published, maybe go on a book tour. I'm committed to spending money, not wasting money. Now, having said all that, Jess, I have a question for you. All right. Do I have to abide by my New Year's resolutions? Because I don't think I can with any of them. Let's talk about it on December 31st, uh, 2023. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good idea. With that in mind, I want to say the following. uh, It's been a great year. It's been great hanging with Jesse. It's been great talking to all of you. And I have to say, for that, I'm grateful. Good night.